Blessed be your name When the sun's shining down on me When the world's all as it should be Blessed be your name Blessed be your name On the road marked with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise And when the darkness closes in Lord, still I will sing Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Your name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name Your glorious Welcome to worship. Whatever joys or disappointments the last week has held for you, we come together to praise God for sustaining us in our journey, in our journey to his everlasting kingdom. He is faithful. Because we have known his goodness, we are confident in our future because our Savior leads us all the way. Please stand with us and sing number 516, All the Way My Savior Leads Me.
Father in heaven, we are grateful uh, to be here this morning to worship you. We ask that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to welcome you to College Heights Seventh-day Adventist Church on this nice, warm summer day. Even though I did just ask you to sit down, I do want to give you the opportunity to say hello to the people around you. Uh, So if you could just take a moment to shake a hand or give a hug and say, welcome, we're glad you're here. We sure are. So take that opportunity now. you got to see a few friends. Uh, I just wanted to remind you here at College Heights Church, our mission is to make disciples who act justly, who love mercy, and who walk humbly with their God. Uh, First announcement this morning is our sincerest condolences once again to the Blake family. Uh, This Friday, August 23rd at 10 a.m., there will be a memorial service for Mrs. Blake. Pastor Blake had served in the church for a long time, and his wife has passed away recently. And uh, her memorial service will be this Friday at 10 a.m. here. So this afternoon, as you can see, it's praise at the lake. I didn't know where or which lake it was, so I googled it on Google Maps, and I found out that we are at that red arrow there. And if you go down the hill, which is over there, you will get to this spot. But you cannot park at that arrow. You have to park at this arrow, which is the Berman Gym. So we wanted to make sure that this evening you have an opportunity to praise at the lake. It's a fundraiser for uh, the Lacombe Food Bank. You bring your blankets and chairs, and if you want to fund uh, some donations for supporting the food bank. Hopefully that helped you, because it sure didn't help me. Uh, if you want to make it this evening at 6.30. Uh, just a reminder that we are still accepting College uh, Heights Christian School applications for students. If you or your grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren are thinking of attending the school, you still haven't lost your chance. We hope you sign up your kids and have a great, evening, uh, great year, school year this year. Uh, church business meeting, September 9. It's going to determine the future of Parkview Adventist Academy in terms of our role as a constituent member. Uh, And you'll learn about more of the plans that the conference has laid out for the school September 9. You don't want to miss that. And uh, once again, next Sabbath will be Pastor David Benjamin and his wife, 
their last Sabbath here at the church before they transition to Peace River. And so there will be a cake out there in the foyer next Sabbath. And maybe if you don't get to know them very well here, still stop by and wish them well as they enter into a new phase of their ministry. Uh, I'll invite Ron to bring the kids up because it's the favorite time of the day. Okay, all children. Is this working? All children, uh, I see two up here and I see somebody just coming in. I'd like to invite you to come to the front. But the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Well, I wasn't sure at first whether there were going to be any children, but then I saw two come in, and now we have a nice group of children. And even if we didn't have children, I have a sneaking suspicion that many of you, like me, you're still a child when it comes to liking to hear stories. Well, boys and girls, let me tell you first that uh, my name is Pastor Bessel, but I have a lot of grandchildren. I have 11 grandchildren. And I have some extra grandchildren that call me Grandpa, even though I'm not their grandpa. And you know what? If you want to, you can call me Grandpa Ron, because I have a story for you this morning. Stories about a girl named Ellen. Ellen lived in a big family. She had six older brothers and sisters. She and her twin sister, Elizabeth, were the youngest children in the family. Now, the family that she lived in were very religious and they loved Jesus. Every week they would go to church and during the middle of the week, sometime during the middle of the week, they would have group prayer meetings, small groups, either in their own home or in a nearby home. And of course every day they would have worship in the morning and the evening. So they were very religious and uh, Ellen was that way too. Um, when Ellen was nine years old, two very important things happened in her life. How many of you have brothers or sisters nine years of age? Anybody here nine? Well, not quite. Oh, you're nine, okay. And so you, those of you who have brothers and sisters know about being nine, and you know because you're already nine. When she was nine years old, two events took place that shaped the rest of her life. First of all, one day she was walking home from school, and uh, when she uh, was partway home, she found a piece of paper on the ground and picked it up and began reading. And the piece of paper said that Jesus was going to be coming very soon, in just a few years. So she took it home, and uh, her mother and father read it. And yes, this little paper said, paper said that Jesus would be coming, but he would come to destroy the earth and take the good people back to heaven with him. Well, that was a new idea to them, because most Christians at that time believed that Jesus wouldn't come for a thousand years, and that before Jesus came, the world would get better and better and better. There are no 
not be any more fighting and quarreling and no more murders and no more stealing. Everybody would be very good. And then Jesus would come. There would be peace on the earth. But this was a new idea that Jesus would be coming very soon. And uh, so they began to think about it. And Ellen began to think about it. And she thought, well, Jesus is not coming very far from now. I need to be ready. I need to get ready for him to come. So that was the first thing that happened. A little bit later, I don't know whether she was coming home for school or just out for a walk with her twin sister and a friend. They were walking across a grassy park area in the town where they lived. And an older, came along, uh, older girl came along, and for some reason or other, she was very angry at them. And it looked as if she was going to hit them. Now, there were three of them, and she was alone. But Ellen's mother had always taught her that when it looks like things are going to get ugly and people are going to start fighting, walk away. Don't stay there. Leave. So she and uh, her sister and friends started walking away and uh, uh, even running away. And the bigger girls started coming after them. Well, Ellen turned around to look and see how close the bigger girl was. And just at that time, the older girl had picked up a rock and just threw it as hard as she could at Ellen and her sister and friend. Well, that, that big rock hit Ellen right here. And she fell to the ground and she was unconscious for a few minutes. Uh, she, she became conscious again for a little bit and uh, got up and her, her sister and uh, the friend helped her to a store that was nearby. And she laid down there for a little while and uh, tried to gain her strength. And finally, she thought she was about well enough to get up and go home. Well, then a, a, a kind stranger came by and he saw that she was uh, still not very strong, shouldn't be trying to walk. So he offered to take her in his carriage. They had, didn't have cars then, so he could take her in a, a horse and carriage. But she was bleeding. Her nose was bleeding. She didn't want to get blood in his carriage. So she said, no, 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 I'm strong enough. I can walk home. And so he left. She got up and began trying to walk home, but uh, she didn't get very far before she fell and was unconscious again. And her sister and friend had to carry her home. For three weeks, she was laying in her bed unconscious, didn't know anything that was happening around her. Some people thought she was going to die, but her mother didn't think so. But during that time, she didn't eat, and uh, she became uh, more and more skinny. She was thin. Finally, she woke up, but uh, she was very weak. Her father had been away at the time, and he came home not too long after she woke up. And when he came to greet the family, he, he, he greeted all the other children. He said, Ellen, where's Ellen? Where's Ellen? And when they said, well, this is Ellen, he couldn't recognize her. You see, she had become much thinner, and her nose was not straight. It had been broken. Well, Ellen uh, didn't become unconscious again, but when she would try to get up and walk and do things, she would be dizzy. And uh, finally, after a period of time, she decided, 
and her parents decided she could try to go back to school again. But when she went back to school, she couldn't study. She tried to learn how to, how to write, uh, not just you know letters, uh, uh, block letters they call them, but, but cursive writing. And she couldn't learn. Her hand would shake, she would shake, she would become dizzy. The girl that had thrown the rock seemed to be very sorry for what she had done, and she tried to help Ellen. The teacher assigned her to try to help Ellen, but it wasn't any good. She would get dizzy, she'd get weak, she'd get shaky, and finally, finally, the teacher said, you, you should not try to come to school. That was the third grade. She never went to school again after that, except for a short period of time in a girl's school when she was 12 years old. Well, can you imagine how Ellen felt? For one thing, uh, her face was disfigured and she felt like she was ugly, that people didn't like to look at her, that she wasn't pretty. And she felt bad because of that, but she also felt bad because here her sister was going to school and, and having friends to play with at recess time and being able to study and learn to read and learn all the different things you learn in school. And she, here she was at home and she couldn't go. Well, she began thinking more about Jesus coming. And she began to look forward to it. But she began to be a little afraid as well, especially when during the early days she heard some friends talking to her mother and her friends still thought that maybe she would die. And so they, they asked her mother, have you talked with Ellen about dying so that she will be ready to die if, if she dies? And of course that frightened her. Well, she looked forward very much to Jesus coming again because it would take her out of her misery. She wouldn't be alone and by herself and different from everybody else. And yet she was afraid. And so back and forth. Well, one night, she, she had uh, come to a point where she really loved Jesus and wanted him to come. And uh, it was a winter time, there was snow on the ground. And at night when the sun set, the sky was very red. And it turned the snow very red. And it was beautiful, but she thought, Jesus must be coming. And she was feeling very good about it. But the next morning, it was back to the same old snow, the same old trees, the same old, same old. And uh, so she was disappointed. Well, years passed by, and sometimes she felt happy about Jesus coming. Sometimes she felt afraid. And then... One summer, she attended a camp meeting. And at that camp meeting, the preacher talked about Jesus, how loving he is, how kind. And sometimes, you know, she had been angry at God for letting these things happen to her. And when she was angry with God for letting these things happen to her, then she said, I can't be angry and be ready for Jesus to come. So when she went to this meeting, the preacher one night was talking about the love of Jesus. And he said, Jesus is someone that loves you very, very much. If you feel bad about things you do, you can go to him and ask forgiveness. And he will forgive you. And he will help you to change and to be happy and to trust in him. Well, many things happen in, in Ellen's life. 
But eventually she grew up and she began writing about Jesus and about the second coming of Jesus. She wrote many books about Jesus and of all of the writers in history, she probably has had more people buy and read her books than any other woman in history. And these are books about the love of Jesus, about the second coming of Jesus, and what it means to prepare for his coming. Well, there are three things I'd like to have you remember from this story. One of them is don't get angry and do bad things to other people and hurt them because it may change their lives forever. The second thing, sometimes bad things do happen even when we don't want them to happen, but God can turn those things into good things as he did with Ellen White. The third thing is that Jesus loves you and me and all of us. And he wants us to look forward to his coming and be happy about his coming and be ready for him when he comes. Okay, boys and girls, it's time to uh, take up the uh, lamb's offering and then go to your seats. Jesus, take this heart of mine, make it pure and holy thine. On the cross you died for me, I will love and live for thee. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Now is the uh, second offering call for uh, God's tithes and uh, our free will offering. Today the offering will go to local church budget, which supports the mission of our local church. Um, just as a reminder, the little beautiful coins that you're handing out to my kids right now are specifically uh, allocated to children's ministry uh, of various kinds. In the past it's gone to Pathfinders and in the future uh, it will go to a different kind of children's ministry. I could ask the deacons to come forward and we will have a, a prayer before we collect God's tithes and our free will offerings. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your love and your gifts to us. And as we give to you, we ask that you would bless us and them as they accomplish your mission in this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Et bonjour, mes amis. Welcome. 
we invite the congregation to kneel with us for prayer. Father in heaven, we have come together in our church to worship you and feel your presence here with us. On our way to church this morning, we were awed by the beautiful lush green of your creation, nature. We could hear the birds singing their morning song. We could feel the warmth of the summer sun and the coolness of the gentle breeze that carries the whisper of your grace. We thank you for the wildlife and the animals that you created for us to enjoy and to protect. We thank you for our families, wherever they are around the world today, and for our church family, here and online, together with you. We ask that you would bless each one. Father, we call upon you to be with those who are suffering from sickness, grieving the loss of loved ones, loneliness, poverty, homelessness, terrorism, and the oppressed. There are those who are fighting for freedom and democracy in their countries all around the world. We are so blessed to live in a land of freedom, Canada. Please be present in each of their lives. Surround them with your angels, comfort and love. We also pray, Father, for families in the church that are presently going through a health crisis. Please lay your healing hand upon each one. Grant them courage, strength, and an inner peace that only you can give them. And we also think of the Blake family. Father, please draw close to them and may they be comforted by your promises in the Bible. Please forgive us, Father, for any sins or wrongdoing in our lives. We ask that you walk by our sides on this journey through life. May our lives be a reflection of your unconditional love to each and every one we meet. Micah 6, verse 8 quotes, Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And now we've asked, Father, that you would be with Pastor Walters as she brings the history of our church to life again. We love, it. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Good morning. Are you happy to be here? Yes, 
I am happy to be here too. I am especially happy for the sun because yesterday I was wondering, is it really fall? Because we haven't had summer yet. <laughs> and I don't know how you feel about that, but I am happy for the sun today. This morning, uh, we are going to have a different type of worship. I will be speaking and we we'll all, we'll all will be singing. And, uh, and I just would like to invite you, if you feel impressed during any time of our time here this morning, to share um, about your journey with God, because we are going to be talking about the journey as pilgrims and strangers here on this earth. And we're going to be looking at what the early Adventists did. And so, you're welcome to share your journey. We sometimes sing the song, this world is not my home, I am just a passing through. As a little girl, I've sang this song many a times, and I'm sure for many of you, you have as well. And it's true. We are just passing through here. And this is drawn from passages in the Bible, which teaches that we are sojourners and pilgrims here on this earth. As seen in 1 Peter 1, verse 17 and 1 Peter 2 verse 11 we are searching and we're looking and anticipating and hoping for a better home a home where our builder and our maker is God and it is with that that the vision of early Adventist believers was united by a passionate belief in the soon coming of Christ and the seventh day Sabbath these believers shared a spiritual experience as fundamental to their identity as to their doctrinal understanding. They had tasted the sweetness of God's grace and determined to follow Christ home. Guided by the light of scripture, they had set out on a journey towards the eternal city, where they would be gathered together in effable joy of communion with God and eat from the tree of life, each step grew closer towards the source of peace and life, affording them a clearer view of what the path and the destination is. They were traveling to the celestial city. Both the hardships and the joys of the pilgrims road shone out through their testimony of their experience of God's presence in their lives and gave encouragement to others on the road. Today, you are invited to share your testimony whenever you feel impressed, and if you so do. And so at this time, we are going to sing number 442, How Sweet Are the Tidings. That's the song that the Millerites also sang on the pilgrimage.
at Venice were on a journey. They referred to themselves as pilgrims. They refer to the journey as a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a special kind of journey, and the Oxford Dictionary defines a pilgrimage as a journey usually of a long distance, made to a sacred place as an act of religious devotion, the action or practice of making such a journey. And so I will read to you the testimony of Mary Maxson. She wrote this testimony April 19, 1864, and she just shared about her journey. And this is what she says. She said, My heart is full of love and gratitude to God, and I feel that I want to communicate to you something of my thoughts and my feelings. I do not know where to begin the song of praise to my Heavenly Father for His great goodness to me. It seems to me that had I the tongue of an angel, I could not sufficiently speak and bring forth his matchless goodness and wondrous love. Truly, the path of the just is as a light that abideth more and more unto the perfect day. Praise God, the perfect day is fast approaching, and I feel that our pathway does indeed grow brighter and brighter. The light of divine truth encircles it like a halo of glory increasing in radiance and beauty at every advancing step. Mary was excited about her walk with Jesus. How about you today? Many of you are discouraged. Many of you ask for strength and perseverance as you continue on this journey. And I wonder sometimes, how long? How long, Lord? How far away are we from home? Number 439. How Far From Home by Annie Smith first appeared in the Review and Herald on November 19, 1853. She had been a Millerite, but left after the great disappointment of 1844. Joseph Bates' preaching inspired her to return to the Advent movement. The words, then weep no more, are repeated in each verse. Hope was returned. Number 439.
utter wilderness that these early Adventist believers attempted to survive was bounded on one side by the great disappointment in 1844 and on the other by the former the formal establishment of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in 1863. During this period, Sabbatarian Adventist believers were wandering without a cooperate identity. Estranged not only from the original churches, from their original churches because of their Adventist belief, but also from the majority of the Millerite movement because of their decision to embrace Sabbath. Although it's easy to focus on the hardships endured along the way, they were able to persevere despite obstacles, persecution, difficult stretches of terrain, and unforeseen delays. There were no doubts in their minds that their present struggles and suffering were temporary. And this is good news for us this morning. Early Adventist pilgrimage was one of assurance and joy. Adventists regarded the light they had received as a gift, an immense boon to their spiritual life. This journey was characterized by confidence that God was at work in their lives to fit them for eternal life. God would not fail to provide them with the grace needed to overcome sin and death. Are you sometimes lost in your belief, especially when tragedy hits? Lost of a loved one, lost of a job, lost of a marriage, lost friendships, lost dreams. What do you do? Why do you keep going? Annalise, please share with us what you do. I was sitting here thinking, with all the struggles in my life, surely I must be more at ease with it, but I'm not. Especially these last two years were really hard in many ways on us. We had constant attacks and it became more and more and more rapidly and stronger. Looking back, I can clearly see a pattern. The enemy with attacks will happen on a late Friday afternoon or early Sabbath morning. I, at times I were, I don't know if I can say I was relieved when there was no attack at the weekend. The last few months, almost every weekend, there was an attack of sort. Through it all, I surely know and saw that Jesus was and is always there with me. Amen. He gave me the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And I'm holding on to that no Amen. matter what. Amen. When these attacks happen, I've come to learn to trust and to rest in Jesus. Amen. For the last month or two, I've come when an attack happened, I would first go on my knees mm-hmm. and say, Jesus, here it is. Take it. And then I will search the scriptures. And late or early in the morning when I wake up, when I can't sleep, I will search for promises mm-hmm. and listen for his voice. And he's faithful. Amen. He comes and he tells me, 
Is it easier? No, not at all. Do I still fail and fall? Of course, sometimes daily. But I'm sure of God's love and care for us. I know he doesn't want this to happen. I didn't ask to be born on this fallen planet. I survived an abortion. I'm alive. I'm here in a beautiful country. I know he cares. And one thing I'm very sure that I learned from my husband, he knows the big picture. I can't see it. And maybe I don't want to. Is the struggle over? No. Is it becoming easier? No. What really holds me together through all this? First, our Heavenly Father is my anchor every moment of every day. Secondly, when we came to Canada, here was a family with open arms just taking us in. And through our struggles, they were there ready for support in prayer, financial, name it. They were there for us. I'm proud today to say that I'm a member of this congregation. Amen. And my hope is looking forward to the sky, to that pink sky, maybe pink snow, I don't know. Maybe it will be manna on the ground. But I'm waiting for my Jesus to hold me and to heal all that hurt. And then to sit at his feet with no pain, no sadness. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing, Annalise. Is there anyone else who would like to share about your journey this morning as we reflect on the journey of the early Adventist? We are modern-day Adventist, and, and I'm pretty sure that we're not having it easy either. But we have the hope. Is there anybody who would like to share? The mic is here. It's hard. it's hard for me to be still. When I think of the mercies of God and His amazing grace that He has exercised towards me and my family, we just returned from a celebration of our 60th wedding anniversary and with my children. And and as I sat there with them, I just praised the Lord. I was brokenhearted to know what a merciful God He has been to my family and my extended family. As I sat here and listened, the words and the thoughts came to my mind. We are family. Why? Because of the building blocks of God's community, family. And as I sat there with my eldest son, as we were saying goodbye, he said at the age of 14 he was never going to be an Adventist. He was rebellious, stubborn, a few other words that I have that aren't very nice. And he lived that. He lived it. 
And as we sat there on the lawn together to say goodbye, he turned to me and he said, Dad, would you pray for my wife and I as we travel home? I stood in awe that the Spirit of God was breaking through Amen. that very moment. Amen. So let us praise God for our families, Amen. for the power of God to work in our lives and the lives of our children. Yes. Never give up. Yes. That's what we must maintain. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, thank you for um, the opportunity. Um, I know that many of the places I visit, they have testimony times where we can share with one another how God has worked in our lives. And I, I just was hearing the brother there, and I know there's a, a real heartfelt call for all of us for the sakes of our children and our grandchildren and our loved ones. You know, we do our best to bring them up in the Lord. And we think, oh, there's not much time. There's not much time. And what con concerns me is um, so many of us think is coming is distant, but it's right here. It's right here at the doors because our lifespan isn't really that long. For us, it's right at the doors. And so I pray that our children will have that urgency. And I, I guess what I wanted to say is, there's places where we can come together. We can meet and pray for our church and pray for our children. Um, I go out to the reserve once a week, and I always think I'm so shallow. I've never had any of life's hard experiences. And I meet with people, and our hearts have become so close, and they've had every hard, heartbreaking experience. But you know what we have for common is grief for our children, love for our children, and love for our God. So we all meet every week, and we pray for our children. And because the coming is soon, it's right here at the doors. We don't know if today is going to be the last day of our lives. So we have to live with that urgency that he's here and we need to pray and share and support and encourage one another and not write each other off. And I have two Bible verses I'd like to read here. I haven't quite got them memorized to encourage us um, for our children. One is from Jeremiah 24-7. And maybe you know this already, but they're, they're, they just become in front of my eyes lately and and God promises then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart amen and the amen. second one and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all his heart and all your soul that you may live and that's from Deuteronomy 36 so we need to look up and keep praying and not lose heart amen thank you so much for sharing So our next song is number 444 in the hymnal, I'm a Pilgrim, and it was published in the Advent Herald and Signs of the Time Reporter on June 26, 1844. It was written by Mary Dana and originally published in the Northern Harp in 1841. Think of the Millerites as we sing number 444, I'm a Pilgrim.
pilgrimage motif was captured in the very first vision of Helen Arman, later Helen White, in which she saw the Advent band on a narrow path journeying towards the heavenly city. She said, while I was praying at the family altar, the Holy Ghost fell upon me and I seemed to be rising higher and higher. Far above the dark world, I turned to look for the Adventist people in the world, but could not find them. When a voice said to me, look again and look a little higher. At this, I raised my eyes and saw a straight and narrow path cast up high above the world. On this path, the Advent people were traveling to the city, which was at the farther end of the path. They had a bright light set up behind them at the beginning of the path, which an angel told me was the midnight cry. This light shone all along the path and gave light to their feet so that they could not stumble. If they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, who was just before leading them to the city where they're safe. The journey is long and difficult and entails risk, as well as separation from families and friends and comforts. The travelers, you and I, are citizens of another kingdom and are moving purposely towards and beyond the boundaries of this world. A higher authority replaces old authorities and rules. They find community in the company of other travelers who seek the same destination and are guided by the same light and follow the same guide, Jesus. The vision of a loving God calling pilgrims into a new relationship with him was the foundation and framework of believers' spiritual life, a life of drawing near to God. I would like to share four reasons why drawing near to God is good and is very important for this journey that you and I are on. Number one, God is love. When we draw near to God, the love of sin is destroyed. That's number two. Number three, we forget the world, its distracting cares, and its tendency to mar our peace and to lead us astray when we draw near to God. When we draw near to God, we get clearer views of the beauty of holiness. To be a Seventh-day Adventist in the historic sense of the name means to be a pilgrim, moving towards home, the place where our builder and our maker is God, a place where there is joy forevermore, no more nights and no more pain, no sickness and sorrows, no more parting. No more goodbyes. No more worn out lungs. No weary limbs. No more aching hearts ever to be found. I plan not to cry this morning. 
my heart longs for that home. Especially after moving seven times, four times in seven months, in the past ten months. As some of you already know, my new marital status is separated. The future is unclear. There's been some dark days, and it's a difficult journey for me and my family right now. However, I am well. My family is well. And I thank God for that. I welcome your prayers. I want to share this with you this morning because I want to encourage you that you're not alone on your journey. Our Heavenly Father is with us. And I encourage you to surround yourselves with people who can pray with you and for you. Because this is the reason why I am well this morning, is because I have a host of people praying for me and my family. My solace is in Jesus. And I pray that your solace will be in him too. My dear family, as we strive together to overcome, let us remind ourselves daily that we are pilgrims and we are strangers in this world. I encourage you as I encourage myself with the words found in Revelations 3, verses 18 to 20. It says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalves, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and be with him. The Savior is waiting to enter your hearts and my heart why don't you let him come in my prayer this morning for you as well as for myself is that we keep our eyes on Jesus I can't wait to see him oh when shall I see Jesus Can everyone please stand for our final hymn and my favorite hymn, Oh When Shall I See Jesus, number 448. Oh, when shall I see Jesus and reign with him above? Then shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning. 
We long for you. We love you. We thank you for being here this morning with us. We have felt your presence here. And we praise you for your love and your mercies towards us. We ask, Father, that you will continue to draw our hearts in unison with you. We long for your return. And so, Father, I pray that as we travel through this barren land, our eyes will be fixed on you, that we will be reminded that you love us dearly. And no matter the terrain, no matter the obstacles, no matter the challenges, you have been with us and you've promised to be with us always. May we hold dear to your promises and may we keep our eyes fixed on you. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.